How much time do you want for your progress? progress. Welcome, welcome, welcome to Clatter Chatter on Things That Matter, the podcast that is intellectually engaging, theologically reflecting, encouraging sociologically, imagining ways in which we can live. Thank you for spending this short amount of time with us. We promise you that you will not regret a moment of it. Shout out to Trevor Smith and V.J. Herbert for commissioning this fantastic music to get our minds going on things eternal, positive, and fulfilling life's purposes. It is going to be all right. Here we are on November the 12th, 2021. So much is happening and happened since last we had a conversation. Greet the people, Dr. Hayes. Well, good day to you, Dr. Cooper. All right, let's let's get this party started. There's so much I want to talk about today that we can have this engaging conversation. But I'd like to just start out by sharing a couple of things uh, um, that are troubling. The first is this clip that ran on ABC News, Evening News, uh, concerning the COVID rises. In, and, and I just want to play this. And then, of course, I want to uh, lean in on the fake white tears of Cal Rittenhouse. Uh, we'll, we'll talk about that. But listen to this, will you? The alarming new numbers on COVID cases in this country. For the first time in months, COVID cases nationwide now on the rise. Authorities are pointing to the changing of the seasons, more Americans indoors and near one another. 22 states tonight seeing spikes from Colorado to New Mexico to Michigan. What they're now seeing in the ICUs and where they're now also seeing the number of vaccinated patients in the hospital ticking up too. Some now calling for boosters for 18 and older immediately in ABC's Kana Whitworth from Colorado. Tonight, for the first time in 10 weeks, the country is seeing an overall increase in new COVID cases, fueled by those 22 states seeing a surge in infections. Our hospitals and ICUs are filling up with patients who are going on ventilators and Many of them die. Hospital admissions are climbing in 14 states from the southwest to the east. Detroit seeing their fourth surge. With people starting to make plans for the holidays to get together, um, I think it's an important time just to let everyone know that we've got to stay vigilant. From New Mexico to Colorado, hospitals forced to activate emergency standards of care, some running low on ICU beds. If your hospital beds are already filling up, you said it's going to look like a battlefield hospital in there very soon. Yeah. Just this week, we did a walkthrough adding curtains between beds in order to add more beds, more ventilators. Experts believe this new surge is fueled by the unvaccinated, waning immunity from the vaccine, and colder weather as people spend more time indoors. Maddie Akia was unvaccinated when she got COVID. She's now on a machine, struggling to breathe. It's horrible. Sorry. It's. I just see my wife as this really strong woman and seeing her so weak 
and struggling. It's something that I wouldn't ever wish upon anybody. We have to remember the families that are still going through this every day. Kano Whitworth back with us tonight. And Kano, I know we heard from doctors at one hospital in the Detroit area where they're seeing something else. You know, for so long now, we've, we've heard that the patients who are showing up in these hospitals are unvaccinated. But in Detroit at one hospital, they said up to 30 percent are actually patients who were fully vaccinated. And a lot of folks are going to say, does that point to the waning of these vaccines? And does it lead into this, this argument being made that there needs to be boosters? Well, that's exactly right, David. So what a lot, a lot of doctors are saying is that it is possible these patients were vaccinated early and now their immunity is, in fact, waning. It's also possible that these patients have underlying medical conditions that also compromise their immune system. And that is something that the doctors here in Colorado are echoing. And that's why they've gone around the FDA. They're now encouraging all adults in this state to get their booster shots and to do it now. David. We know that's what they're seeing in Detroit, there in Colorado, and we await the national picture. We wait for more numbers on all of this. Kena, thank you. Next. So, Dr. Hayes, it is um, the the states where the increase increasing in COVID. Um, I just want to hit hard that uh, Missouri is one of those states. Um, Kansas, Nebraska, South Dakota, Iowa. Um, it's amazing uh, the the surging that is happening amongst the fully vaccinated too. I even uh, I, I had a cousin who was vaccinated uh, and received a booster, but he was in the hospital and he contracted COVID. A mild case uh, uh, with pneumonia and all of that. So this this thing is real. And uh, talk back to me, Doctor Hayes. Well, as we you know, as we indicated in our last conversation, um, it's a new world. It's a new way of life that we have to get accustomed to. We can't continue to ignore it or look backwards and think things are going to revert to what used to be. It's just not going to be that way anymore. We have to do things that will protect us. We have to continue to use the disinfectant. We have to purify our air if we're going to be indoors. We have to wear masks. We have to do everything that is humanly possible to keep ourselves and our neighbors, uh, fellow citizens safe because the virus has no feelings. (laughs) The virus will attack any opening that is available. And as we approach the winter, we know that uh, the virus gets stronger in the cooler temperatures. And so we're, we're just going to have to face the fact and deal with this new way of life. And only those who learn to adapt to the changes of our time will be able to well, successfully meet the future. Adaptation is the key. Survival of the fittest. Um, and And as my mother would say, a hard head makes a soft behind. 
And I'm just curious as to how do we adapt? How come we're not adapting? Why is it so comfortable to be so hard-headed and strong-willed rather than to humbly submit to something that is greater than our finite understanding. I, it just baffle, baffles me um, how the arrogance of humans in battling this invisible principality. I don't. I, I don't. think America it, it suffers from that more than than perhaps any other country. Uh, I know the European countries have really buckled down because they realize after that initial variant that this thing is serious. But Americans, we still have that group that refuses to believe, as, as, as my old folks used to say, that fat meat is greasy. And some of them go so far as to say, if I die, so what? We all have to die. So when you encounter that kind of attitude, there's very little that you can do to convince people to behave in a certain way once they have given up their their values for any future. If life can't be what it is now, I don't want to have anything to do with it. And that's that's really kind of, a, I, I think, a spoiled attitude selfish attitude, which is so characteristic of Americans. And it's an, it's an attitude also of entitlement. And what's so interesting is that um, the, the rights that we purport to have and are, are proud to have, uh, we, we see it as an opportunity to just wild out, to um, live in this basically like feral cats just out in the wild, just acting all kinds of crazy. And this is also what's interesting, and it goes back to not only the virus, but certainly the illness and ailment of the United States of America, and it is this notion of being supreme, above reproach, above the law, being able to just... The social norms and mores and folkways only are applicable if I'm affected by it. Otherwise, I can rewrite the laws and make them fit my own particular narrative, not what it means to be a a, um, a nation with inalienable rights for everybody. And, of course, that unravels the hypocrisy because we know when the framers of the Constitution in um, – 1767 gathered and uh, 1787 uh, uh, wrote the Constitution. Uh, in 1776, it was the um, the Declaration of Independence against the, the British, but they framed the Constitution in 1787. And the reason why that year sticks into my head is because that's also the year that uh, Bishop Richard Allen and Absalom Jones walked out of St. George's Methodist Episcopal Church in the same city where the framers of the Constitution wrote the Constitution that included the preamble 
uh, in the city of brotherly love, or as they say in Philadelphia, the city that loves you back. And so in 1787, slavery was still happening. So we know uh, enslaved black folks were not included as having any inalienable rights. As a matter of fact, neither were women. It was um, pretty much landowners. And so uh, you fast forward that to 2021, we see these descendants of of white uh um, uh, I, I can't even give you the name. I don't even want to say supremacy because they're not. There's nothing supreme about hegemony or domination or power and oppression. It's just a sickness, just like this coronavirus. And we see this played out in these descendants in this little 17 year old wet behind the ear whose mama drove him to Kenosha, Wisconsin, with the AK-47. What? What? What is this, Doctor Hayes? And then this little boy is on the stand with his little fake tears crying. I mean, that's worse than coronavirus to me. Because if this kid whose frontal lobe is not fully developed gets a mistrial or is not held responsible for the actions that he did, it will open up the floodgates for more vigilantism, uh, law and order, martial law, and black people need to get ready because they're coming after every last one of us. You're talking about your rights. We wouldn't have any rights because we still don't have any rights. I guarantee you if you saw a black, a black teen walking down the streets with a rifle, he would not make it out of his front door. Listen to this. Mr. Rosenbaum, Mr. Rosenbaum was now running from my right side. Um, and I was cornered from in front of me with Mr. Zeminski. And there were... There were three people right there. He needed to watch The Wizard of Oz with this one, Dr. Hayes, because he looked like the coward lion from The Wizard of Oz, for real, with his fake-ass tears. I'm just going to put it out there where it is. Just a bunch. I call BS on that one. Just ignorant. He up there faking Faking the funk. He didn't give no hot damn about what he did. He went on purpose to go kill somebody. Lying that he was an EMT. How you going to be an EMT and you barely can drive? Can't even vote yet. And you going to sit up here and say you going to go. Ahead. What? How you get a gun and your mama had to drive your tail to Kenosha, Wisconsin? You don't even live there. Come on, Doc. Take it over before I start cussing. I have no understanding of any of that. I have no understanding. I, I, I just. I can't conceive of a parent dropping a kid off with an assault rifle in a city where he doesn't live. I, I don't I don't understand that. That's beyond my comprehension. Um, and so if his mother's that crazy, you know he's gotta be crazy. And but he's some kind of self styled as we say, vigilante, he's going to take on himself you know, the protection of the of the people against rioters. And um, 
it sounds like he he was propagandized. You know, some kind of a a brainwashing has happened to him to make him even think he needed to go there and get in the middle of what was going on. The so, the brainwashing was his power of whiteness. <laughs> Well, you, you can be the savior. You can be the savior of of the world. And and Jesus wasn't even white. No, I think it's more than you can be the savior that you you had better protect us because they're coming to get us. And if you don't stand up for your people, uh, you're going to go down with us. I think there's a a fear of black backlash, you know, among, uh, as you say, the the white uh, elite or the white privileged. Uh, that if they don't get in, get the jump on us, we're going to jump on them, and that's what that's what demonstrations convey to them a takeover rather than an expression of oppression. And so uh, that mindset, you know, children are vulnerable and they, they learn whatever their parents teach them, whatever their parents show them. And I, that's, that's what I really believe that uh, he lived in a household that made him possible. I, I just, I don't get it. And um, as you were talking, I thought about um, the, <laughs> the fear of the black planet. And of course, you know, uh, that's a song. I'm going to play a little bit of it because it's by Public Enemy. It's the name of the album that they had out in the 1990s. I believe it was... Uh, Actually, it was the year 1990. Just listen to these words uh, of the fear of the black planet. And is this, was this prophetic? What's the deal? What's your latest hit, brother? Fear of a black planet. Man, don't you worry about thing. Bowser Jordan, no, she's not my type. But suppose she says she loves me. All your friends. The mix it black and white Whoa. Living in the land where the law say Mixing up race makes the blood impure yeah. She's a woman, I'm a man Look at your face, I see you can't stand it And so the words are so appropriate, Dr. Hayes. Uh, calm down. Don't get mad. I don't need your sister. But we're supposed to she love me. I mean, this is about miscegenation. And we know the miscegenation mm-hmm. laws in the United yeah. States were 
uh, banned in with the Loving case. I believe it was in the late 1950s. Um, at mm-hmm. the same time, separate but equal came here to four. Um, and, and, and it's just hard to believe that there were laws against miscegenation about race mixing, if you will. And we know the one drop rule is real. And, and there's a movie out called Passing, uh, that is, mm-hmm. that will push the envelope as well. But why are you afraid of blackness when in fact every human being undisputed has the DNA, the genome, that traces its roots back to the origins of humankind. To where? The motherland. So why are you scared? Well, you, you, all of that is called ignorance. They don't believe that. They don't, they don't believe that. And so they ignore, they ignore those facts. And continue to embrace the delusion. We are the superior race. It it is designed for us to rule the world. And uh, they just continue to push that idea forward. And most of the time, uh, I think black people are not combative. As long as you, you leave them alone, let them live in peace. They're not so ready to to kill. These people are ready to kill. And they've already amassed more guns than people in the United States. That's a statistic that ought to scare everybody. There are more guns than people in the United States. And nobody will pass a law. Nobody will stop it. That's a mystery to me. So it it lets you know that this fear is more widespread than the vast majority of people will admit. Um, And they like to think it's, you know, it's just the the good old boys, you know, blue-collar workers and the the poor. Uh, It's not just them. It's not just them. And, and, and it's interesting because, you know, we can go all the way back, going back to the vaccine, um, uh, what that means um, in terms of understanding how human subjects research has been at the expense of black people from the Tuskegee Institute to Henrietta Lacks um, to even a sister uh, black woman helping to develop the coronavirus vaccines that we're using today, um, and the the genius of black people in terms of advancement, and the genius of of black people staying connected as family, uh, both biology and through osmosis. Um, and so, what is interesting is seeing going back to this Rittenhouse. Joker, his mother pushing him, and I'm sure he's from a broken family because there's no way that anybody that has been socialized in a nurturing, loving community would ever imagine needing a gun to avenge something. And so I'm saying all that to say that 
historically, DNA and genes mutate. And perhaps if he traced his lineage, not even through Ancestry.com, but just through the community of family, I would guarantee you he can trace his roots back to the lynch mobs. And what those lynch mobs used to do literally would have lynching parties after they've gone to worship their God, dressed up in a Sunday go to meet and finest, and seeing the strange fruit hanging from the trees, black bodies just dangling in the wind, being lynched. And I can't imagine having my DNA mutated in such a way that I can't feel anything, anesthetized to the human suffering, and seeing humans as something to be preyed on just like an animal. Uh, in fact, you know, um, there were there were stories about humans, black folks not even being humans. And that brings me to the conversation that we had the other day about uh, Isabel Titchener, who died by suicide, a 10-year-old who died by suicide at Davis County Public Schools in Utah. And one of my students said that she wasn't surprised she was from Utah and that this particular conservative branch of Mormonism sees black people as not being human. How do we get to this place, this district that um, allowed for a hostile learning environment for this young, black, beautiful 10-year-old who had autism and dyslexia plus dark skin, brown skin? Amazing, right? How do we get here? Well, I think you've already said it. They have determined historically that we are not fully human, that we are just animals. And uh, if they can if they can believe that, then it, then it's okay. It makes it okay for them to abuse and annihilate black people. Because they're not really equal to us. We're human. When, if you ask me, the reverse is true. <laughs> they have no human compassion, no capacity for true love uh, of fellow human beings. They, they, they don't. They, I think they're cold. And I'm not. That's not everybody. But I'm saying the kind of person that would do what some of these people do cannot have human love in their hearts and surely don't don't regard black people as human. So I, I, as you were talking, I remember a conversation that I had with one of my colleagues and um, she and I were, did a um, forgiveness retreat in Schuyler, Nebraska, uh, we put this little retreat together. And as we were working, and, and she was a Yale Divinity graduate, um, pretty much a powerhouse, um, Nancy Erickson, Reverend Dr. Nancy Erickson. She's retired now. And as she and I were um, putting this forgiveness retreat together, we were talking about, and, and she's a white woman, uh, Erickson, you can imagine, um, we were we were talking about 
how to handle emotive responses, especially when you're dealing with this idea of forgiveness, forgiveness of self and forgiving those who have maybe trespassed against you. Um, and, and as we were working, working through this particular reach retreat, she said um, that white people in particular, and I don't want to, I'm not sure if I'm going to exactly quote her, but this is the gist of the story, that they're trained to be stoic. And so stoicism is part of what it means to be educated, to not to have a staunch vibrato, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Not, not showing any kind of emotions. And even in worship spaces, they're told that you can't invoke emotions. You can't cry. You can't move. You can't do. And I'm like, well, I don't know how you can closet your emotions, but that's pretty interesting. And I, and I always wondered if that has irreparable damage um, on the psyche when we tell our kids, especially our boys, don't cry. Man up. Suck it in. You're not hurt. And and then over time, it becomes part of this pseudo um, personification, just being fake. But is it fake because the DNA is mutated? The genome is mutated. You can't feel anything. And so if I don't feel anything, it's easy for me to objectify somebody else. I can't feel it. That's the whole, this is the whole greatest commandment where it says, before you can love God, you got to love yourself and then your neighbor. You can't get to God before seeing you as created in the image of God. And if you see yourself as in the image of God, you got to see your neighbor also in this image of God. And God's image is spirit. And and how we see God's spiritual attributes, I cannot see my transcendent reality as the embodiment of hate. I can't reconcile that. My spiritual core is wrapped up in the emotive response of an agape kind of love that is so unconditional. And that's how I walk in this world. And I might be wrong. And I hope in that great getting up morning, when they, when they whoever they is, open up my book of life, they say, okay, Carly, I, I think you did okay. There's always some growing edges. <laughs> and, and maybe somebody can, you know, offer that correctiveness when you're part of the ancestral realm. Well, I think I think one of the things is that if we don't have a nurturing environment, sometimes our natural inclination is snuffed out. Uh, and I think that it has happened to a lot of people. As you say, that... The, the woman you were speaking of had, had been trained or raised not to express emotion. And I think that's true because only 
she implied that only uneducated people uh, express emotion, that your education somehow should uh, equip you to handle with with anything without having to, you know, feel anything about it. But that's not, you know, I, I don't know where that came from because it's, it's certainly not what is in the Bible. And a lot of them try to, uh, they, you know, there's that white Protestant um, ethic that they try to uh, impose on everybody. Uh, but it says clearly that God is love. And those who don't love don't know God. And and I'm saying, I wonder all the time, well, what do they do with these texts that that are so clear, and yet they manage to ignore them? I, I, it makes me wonder what kind of uh, religious faith have they really constructed for themselves um, and I suppose it's because of where the emphasis is placed but it baffles me Dr. Cooper I just I have no no clear explanation and for I the inconsistencies in, um, in these so-called Protestant religions that don't understand that that love is the essence of God. Help me. Well, I was going to say the beauty of it is uh, we won't have that answer today, so we'll just continue this conversation for the next time. All right, Dr. Hayes? All good. right. It has been a privilege, a pleasure, and an honor to have you join in with us today. Remember that everything will be all right until we meet again. Stay safe and well.